Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Bolk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as radio announcer, lover of real stories and news, Penang curry enthusiast, lactose tolerant, fan of Jesus. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Scott McDonald. Hey, Scott. It's, it's, it's good to like test your Twitter bio. Like I, I yep. really care about my bios, but you never hear them spoken out loud, so it's good to be able to test them. Yeah, it can be quite confronting. I have read some that are difficult to read. Yeah. They look all right, but to read out loud, it's tough. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself, Scott? Yeah, I, I feel like quite sarcastically that that's a brilliant that was a that's a brilliant place to start. Um, I think I think I do quite sarcastically. I think um, not to go too deep too early, but I think surprisingly I get quite socially anxious, mm-hmm. so I overcompensate by trying to get off on the front foot as unpredictable or mm. as the outgoing person or as the extrovert in the room. So it, it really depends on the setting as to how I'll introduce myself and also who I'm with, like who, I suppose, who, I, who I'm trying to pander to, I suppose, as well. Are you an extrovert? I don't know. This is a really good question. And I've seen a lot of stuff online about this recently, about the introvert extrovert. Mm. And I, th- I think that's what I am because I will, I, I love being around people. I get my energy from being around people, but then I need to go and hide and I need to... I need to take like, like if I'm around people for a long time, I'm like, I, I just need to go home and, and work on something on my own. Mm-hmm. But then if I'm at home too long, I'm like, oh, I need people. I'm, I'm going insane. I'm, I, I need people around me now. So I don't, I don't know. I, th- I have read a little bit of stuff about, yeah, the introverted extrovert, which I think, I don't know. I like to be put in a box. I'm not mm. one of those people that's like, don't do your personality test on me. <laughs> I'm one of those people that's like, give me every personality test. I would like to be placed in the box of that personality test, please. How do you feel when someone has placed you in a box that you think is the wrong box? <laughs> um, I work really hard to disprove them. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually I'll go after it myself first. I'll, I'll just, I'll prove to myself they're wrong. <laughs> um, and then, and then I'll work really hard to disprove them mm. um, about the box I'm in. It's really interesting. This, this goes back years. Uh, when I was, when I was at 96.5, me and my co-host Sal um, ha- were obsessed with the Enneagram personality modeling test. Mm-hmm. Um, 96.5 is a radio station? Yes, yep. so here in Brisbane, was it was it um, 96.5? So we started at nights um, and then we moved into drive quite quite conveniently. We never got to breakfast. We were trying to become the Kyle and Jackie O of community radio, um, but we never we never made it to breakfast and we also never got an ACMA warning. So yes, were you not offensive enough? Uh, we, I think that I do. I think that, I think, yeah, I think that was the problem. <laughs> Um, and our tagline wasn't drive home with the stars. It was drive home with the mildly famous. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so we were obsessed with, with, um, Enneagrams and, and the Enneagram that looks great on the surface is the seven. This is like the, 
the person that's just looking for adventure, mm. can't stay held down by one idea, like the entrepreneur, the going after it kind of person. And I, I always showed up in tests as being a seven. Mm. And somewhere along the line, Sal started accusing me of being a three. And these are like achievers. <laughs> Their total motivation is just, I'm achieving, I'm achieving. And man, I went after it. Like we could have lost our friendship over that. But now some five years on, I am unbelievably prepared to admit that she was right the whole time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, sometimes I do get put in boxes I don't want to be in. And sometimes they are the right box. And sometimes I need to deal with that. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. What do you find attractive what do I find attractive? Originality. Mm-hmm. Um, br- brilliant, brilliant ideas, brilliant execution, but, but people who can look at something and say, I think, I think we can, I think we can do something really clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Indian girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, an Instagram photo that uses colour well. Um, and Corona's ads. They would be the things I find most attractive. I think I... Even people who aren't who aren't necessarily right or doing things well, if they've found a way to do something original and clever and cutting edge and exciting. I like one of the things I love is I, I loved um, Ryan Shelton, the Australian mm-hmm. comedian. He, he did two series of a Instagram TV show called cliff. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, it was this, it can't be longer than 15 seconds because it's on Instagram and he released one a day for five days. And every episode was a ridiculous cliffhanger mm-hmm. in 15 seconds. Um, and it, it just so well done. But then he goes ahead and um, links from his Instagram to this other profile and it's about these two guys and it's called the DNK podcast mm. and they have spent I think it's something like six weeks now hooking their podcast it's like one guy's really keen on the podcast the other guy's like we're not doing this podcast yeah. and it's this whole story of how they're, they're now involved in extortion and stealing from their dads and stuff <laughs> but it just started off as like a hook of like hey the DNK podcast is coming and it seems like a legitimate Instagram account for these yes. two friends making a podcast, but it's actually this story. One of them's gone overseas. One of them tried to kill himself. One of them killed his girlfriend. Like, oh. It's just this drama <laughs> playing out on their Instagram account. And I just, I, I love that they, they saw the way everyone, no offense, but everyone has a podcast now. Mm. They saw that and they saw how people were doing it on Instagram and they saw this as a storytelling medium, I think it's unbelievable. It's awesome. And it's it, the, and I know they don't want to admit it, but it's what the drama producers of TV networks need to be looking at right now and realising that at some point very soon in history, they will not be the person deciding the most watched TV show. Mm-hmm. That, that, that those days are, are over. And I love seeing when people step out and start doing that kind of stuff. What challenges you? <laughs> Ironically, my own ability to do that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's really. I was actually thinking about this on my way over, because um, because I'm in this really interesting stage of my life where, um, from when I was seven, I knew 
that I wanted to work in radio. I knew mm-hmm. I was a radio announcer from when I was seven. And um, then the whole way through high school, my dream was to be on air at, at B105, which used to be a radio station here in Brisbane. Um, and and I achieved that before I graduated. Yeah. And I was too young for it. I was actually too young for it. My entire... Uh, so I was working community radio all through high school, but my entire first few years in radio, I I took for granted what I had, didn't appreciate how lucky and privileged I had. Mm-hmm. I was. And and really um in the midst of living my dream and living my passion and, and I actually screwed over the organizations I was working for a little bit. Mm. Um and and so so I always knew I was gonna be in radio. And then I, I ended up at 96.5 because um, cause Liam there was prepared to deal with... So, he's still the program director there, but was prepared to deal with this unformed kid with an ego problem mm. who, in his first two weeks at the radio station, refused to wear the radio station uniform because <laughs> I didn't want to wear the same thing that the guy cooking my barbecue was wearing. And, and he was prepared <laughs> to deal with that. Um and after like dealing with me for the worst six months of employee I think he's ever dealt with, I just grew up. Yeah, I actually just stopped being a teenager and grew up, and and just had an amazing five years there. And then after five years there, I I saw this incredible opportunity to rebrand and relaunch this youth ministry because in in the wor- words of what I was saying before, I was looking at youth ministry in the church and particularly in the Catholic Church. And there's a real disconnect for me. I, I was thinking, you guys are becoming less relevant mm-hmm. at a time where your core fundamental message of hope should be super relevant. Yep. How 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 is that happening? And and I I saw an incredible opportunity and and um took a big risk and stepped out of radio and volunteered with them for six months while they kind of got funding and then ended up working there for two years and just took this youth ministry, um, which had been on this journey of, of huge national growth mm. and just brought it screaming and crying into 2015 <laughs> and said, from now on, we're going to go crazy and worked with some incredible <clears throat> youth ministry minds, incredible um, people who do, who have done and continue to do incredible things in the church. And they really nurtured me and grew me. Um, and now as I finished that journey, this is this is getting to the original point I was making before, sure. by the way. Uh, now, as I finish that journey, I'm in this weird semi-unemployed, so doing a little bit back at 96.5 and trying to find direction of where to go to next. But for me, I've always had extreme direction and I've always had extreme drive. And now I'm sitting in this place where I'm watching all these passionate people. Um, in fact, you've already interviewed probably two of the really passionate people that I'm watching for the podcast. Your, mm. your first guest, Mark DeStefano. Um, he doesn't know me, but I love him. Um, <laughs> um, not, 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 not even in a weird way. I, I just, I just love what yeah. he has done for Buzzfeed and done for news. And, and so I watch that, and, and I know, I, I know you have spoken to the celebrant Josh Withers, and, mm. and he'll either be before or after me. But you know, he's exactly the same. Someone that has just transformed an industry with his passion. Mm. And I'm like sitting here being like, I, I just want to use all the skills and the know-how that I have of what's happening right now, but I just don't know what that passion is. Mm. So, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, for me, like that's, that's incredibly frustrating 
to be like, I want to create, I want to do something clever. I, I, I feel like I have this knowledge, but for the first mm-hmm. time in my life, I just, I don't, I don't know where that should go. And I love radio. I've always, I've always loved radio. I'd, I'd happily be back in radio tomorrow. But firstly, that's a very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and like to, to just get back in radio. Um, and secondly, it's like, well, if those doors aren't opening, is that because I should be striving for something new? So, yeah, so for me, that, that is something that really frustrates me is what, or, or, yeah, like wanting to do something revolutionary, but just having no idea what it is. What draws you to the Catholic Church when in 2015 it's quite possibly, at least in the English-speaking first world, mm. it's at its most unpopular. I I think it is that. Um, I think it's the mere fact that it just, it shouldn't be. Mm. Um, I, I mean, there is no, there is no justification, excuse, none of that comes into play when you talk about sex abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and on one hand, I look at um, Cardinal George Pell and I think, man, you're making this worse for yourself. But then on the <laughs> other hand, knowing the depth of his um, call and understanding of the seal of confession, like they're asking him questions he just can't answer because yeah. he, he, he would no longer be a priest. Like it's just an impossible situation. But one of the things that, so to stay on sex abuse, one of the things, as dangerous as this topic area is, one of the things that frustrates me is that the Catholic Church's teaching, not how they've acted, but their teaching on human sexuality mm. is incredible and it's it's beautiful and it's it's not suppressive, it's not repressive, it's a, mm. it's a beautiful teaching. Now's the time where the church comes out and says, this is what we believe here and these people have destroyed it. And in that message, the world is going to catch a glimmer of of the actual hope for sexuality that the church carries. Like that, that yeah. for me is that. That's why I love the church. Is is you see Pope Francis is starting to move towards the fullness. He comes out and says, "Well, we need to deal with the refugee crisis. Every parish needs to deal with the refugee crisis." By the way, the Vatican is actually dealing with the refugee mm. crisis. Uh, that's that's the church that I support and I believe in. And and I think for too long, the Catholic Church has become a safe haven of comfortability and um, almost like without being too offensive. No, actually, this isn't offensive. To quote the, the current Archbishop of Brisbane, Mark Coleridge, it's becoming a form of, um, of palliative care. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Catholic Church is often becoming a form of palliative care. And when it's not doing that, what it can do is incredible. I mean, you, you know, I, I, I allow anyone to believe what they want and see what they want and put whatever model they want over the top. But I mean, I, I've seen young people um, literally healed from all sorts of physical and, and mental conditions that they are healthy and, and medical professionals are calling them healthy. And, and that's the power of Jesus. And that's the power of the church. And the, the, that's the power of all those things working in unison. And I think that if we can get to a place where people stop 
allowing the church to not move and to be palliative care mm-hmm. and to be a comfortable place. Unqualified people get leadership positions in the church. Yeah. And then you go, well, if you were anywhere else, you'd be fired, mate. Yeah. If we allowed that world to stop happening. And that's why I appreciate the Hillsongs and the places like that because Hillsong are calling that standard. And and that's a good thing. One of and and I think I think the public perception versus reality is is um is a good thing. If you go back again, referring to Mark De Stefano, mm. what he said about his experience of the Catholic Church as a teenager with his parents getting divorced and his mum coming out mm-hmm. That I, I almost cried listening to that because it's actually a correct perception of the church. It's just a shame that media love polarizing mm. the representations. And uh, I know it's ironic. I, I think one of the best things, and 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 one of the best things that I've seen is Rob Stott from BuzzFeed mm-hmm. have coffee with Lyle Shelton. Oh my gosh! Could not get two people that disagree on an issue more together. Yeah. And yet somehow you have this sense that Rob Stott, this gay journalist working for BuzzFeed, who's probably the most progressive mainstream news organization in the world, yep, is suddenly writing what appears to be a puff piece on Lyle Shelton, the head of the Australian Christian Lobby. For me, like that—that's what I mean—is that when we show the true colours of the church, Rob says he's Lyle's wrong about gay marriage, mm. but his heart's right. Like that's 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 why I love the church and why I love the Catholic Church is because when the truth of it is exposed, it mm. changes the world. What grounds you in your faith? I don't know. I've had a really, really rough, really rough six months around this. Mm. Um, I I finished. I stepped down in my role with the church because I made a really big mistake. Mm. I made a I made a huge mistake, and um, and it's it's been rough coming out of that, and. I don't. All I know is that. Uh, I mean, I, I could tell you the millions of little ways that I've seen Jesus working in my life after that mm-hmm. that grounds me in my faith. Um, and and an atheist could question every one of them, but for me, it's just confirmation, continued confirmation of of his of his work. Um, through and through through my own stupidity, like through my own mistakes, mm-hmm. even stuff past why I left. Um, yeah, so for me, that that's very grounding. What happened the last time your heart was broken? Um, I feel like I'm very lucky in that I'm very hopeful and very optimistic. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard for me to... It's it's very hard for me to be like, oh, well, this is the end of the world, you know? Like, yeah. I always see hope and opportunity on the other side of that. Um, I don't know why I'm blessed, I suppose, to be able to do that. I feel like the last time my heart was broken was actually around this this whole issue yeah. um, and I guess you just you pick up and you go well it's, it's making way for something new and I think you can question that sometimes but what if it isn't but I guess that just doesn't get you anywhere that that doesn't get you anywhere at all I actually think the last time my heart well sorry the first time my heart was really 
seriously broken in a romantic sense. I think it sent me... I think I thought I got over it, mm. but I think it sent me into a world of making some really stupid decisions over the coming years, mm. particularly around relationships and holding on to people and even using people mm. to prevent myself being heartbroken like that before. Um, so maybe there's something in that too, that when I'm heartbroken, I just <laughs> run from it and then make bad decisions later down the track. This, so how long have you had your psychology degree for? Uh, I don't have one. Okay. I was brought here on false pretenses. <laughs> Look, there is no couch that you're laying on, so <laughs> you take that how you need to take it. Do you feel that you need to be in a relationship? Yeah, awesome question. Really awesome question, because I used to <laughs> constantly question um, young people I was mentoring on mm-hmm. this. So since I was about 17, I've questioned people on this. So I went through all of high school and kind of um, dated someone for a couple of months. And and then in year 12, I dated someone for a couple of months. But I was pretty single through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I have necessarily been so much since then. Um, yeah. Bar a year or so. And, and I just don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's healthy, if that is true yes. of me. I don't think it's healthy. Um, I think the ability to love you without anybody else there mm. is an incredible gift, an absolutely incredible gift. Um, and I feel like I did that in high school, and I hope I still have that. Um, yeah. I'm glad I didn't date extensively or sleep around or random hookups or anything like that in high school. I'm really glad I didn't. I think it set me for a really good bedrock. Um, But I, yeah, I think like particularly I I know a few people who have kind of been dating since they were 14 and haven't been single really for longer than a month. Mm. Um, And I don't think I would feel comfortable getting married to someone who was unable to be single. Mm. Um. Because then I suppose I would question, I'd question whether they loved relationships or loved me. Mm. Deep. What's one thing you would change about your life today? Today? I don't know. I don't know if I would. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would. Um, I have definitely done things that I regret. But I also know that there has been good in that and good has come of that. Sure. Um, I often question if I if I should have studied, should, mm. should study. Um, but then I, I also wonder if that's just about playing the game of doing life right. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if there is, if there is anything that I would change right at this moment. Mm. What was it like for you as a, a teenager who was rabidly interested in radio the first time that mic went open? The first time it went open, um, really in that sense, me and two of my mates did a community radio show, Mm. um, at the time, it was called Switch 1197. They still are called Switch, um, actually. Uh, dance music 
on the AM band revolutionary. They're trying something. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I do remember that, that, that it was just, um, it was, it was incredible actually. It was, I, I, yeah, I just, it was like, wow. I, I think, I think there's, there's kind of two angles to it. Cause I also remember the first break I did at B105. Sure. Um, and there's there's a sense of like oh my gosh like oh my gosh oh my gosh mm. but then radio is a, is a really funny medium and and TV is exactly the same in that as a listener you're listening to the completed product or yep. seeing the completed product and it sounds big and epic and you're like oh my gosh there's hundreds of thousands of people in Brisbane hearing this but when you're making radio you're sitting in a studio on your own for my first <laughs> years in radio it was with no one else in the building and mm. all the lights off and no one's calling on the phone and so it's just it's it, it, there's almost a sense of am i just playing radio stations like i have been in my room for the past 10 years mm-hmm. there's 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 a disconnect you can't conceptualize that people just heard what you did there's there's a real disconnect Sal and I started using our to our advantage in drive. Our our drive show became very conversational. Yeah. Um. A, a, as a result of the fact that we just had a complete disconnect <laughs> from the fact that we had a listenership, um, our boss argued that our listenership had a disconnect from us when they changed the channel. But, um, I think I think that's cool. I think people buy into that. Would you prefer to? sit down and have uh, a one-on-one deep and meaningful with someone or would you prefer to hold court uh, in a group of 10 or 15 people who are hanging on your every word? I love both of those. It depends who it is mm-hmm. um, for the deep and, me- deep and meaningful. Um, I love feeling like I'm entertaining people. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, having 10 or 15 people hanging on every word, as long as I'm entertaining them or giving them something, as yeah. long as they want to hear it. You know, for me, the time I most feel like I've flown over the last couple of years mm-hmm. is when I'm I'm preaching at a conference or, or teaching social media to the, to the 60-year-old, the 60-year-old group of nuns who are the young one no. who are who are using Facebook to get girls to sign up to be nuns. Mm. Uh, I love that. Like, so whether it's, whether it's preaching in front of an audience of 1200 teenagers or, or whether it's teaching that, uh, yeah, I, I really love that. And I don't love it from the point of view of being the center of attention, although I'm sure there's ego in that. I love it from the point of view of like, um, like this is cool. Uh, I'm sharing something with you. I'm giving something to you. Mm. Um, I love those. I love those moments, whether it's in church or whether it's during a TED talk, where someone says something. And you go, "Oh my gosh, that just revolutionised what I thought." Yeah. And and um, with every talk I ever did, I always that was that was really my prayer was, God give someone that moment. Give someone that moment where they see you in a new way, or they see their life in a new way, or they get a new glimpse of hope. I, I have a really interesting. Uh, I I tried so hard not to admit this yeah. when I when I was doing it. So, I um. Uh, I, this is an ego. This is true. Like I I have a a very a very strong reputation for being able to um, preach really well, mm-hmm. um, particularly to teenagers. Be able to talk. I like, uh, the truth is inspirational talk to teenagers. 
I'm very, I'm very good at it. Yes. Um, I have a very good gift in it. The truth is, I've never written one. I actually go on the fly. Mm. Um, I'll have a few notes and I'll go on the fly. That for me is an incredible moment because um, to be completely spiritual about it, that that's when you're standing somewhere. You talk for exactly 45 minutes. You make the exact point that you felt you needed to make. You landed exactly when you needed to land. And everybody, whether it's to your face or behind your back, is saying, that was the best talk we heard this weekend. And you're like, I, I can't deny God working through that. I'm sorry, but I just can't believe that I can be that succinct, that on point for 45 minutes and have three lines of notes in front of me that I'm talking from and knock off on tangents that people lose me on. Like that kind of comes back to the faith question. It's like I, I just, I actually just can't deny Jesus working in that. Mm. What's the biggest audience uh, or the biggest event that you've been in front of that's had the worst moment? <laughs> I think I avoid risk to avoid these moments. See, the psychologist is back out. Um, I would say, I mean, there's probably heaps from the radio that, but they're just, it's so hard to measure those moments. Mm. You know, we, we knew we had 90,000 listeners at 96.5, but that means nothing in yeah. the moment. Um, sorry, 90,000 during our show. Um, uh, definitely, it would definitely be Easterfest, the festival formerly known as Easterfest, um, up at Toowoomba mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Um, we we were we were picking on these two kids that were doing video stuff. They're not kids; they're a couple of years younger than me. But they were picking on these two kids as they were set up who were doing video stuff um, about wanting to be in a relationship together mm-hmm. um, because that's what you pick on people about. Um, and um, and they came out on stage and just absolutely slammed me. And I didn't have a microphone in my hand. I had. Literally nothing. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I just stood on stage and had to take it. Um, and that would have been a crowd of nine or 10,000. But but classic, classic V is um, I knew, I, I didn't care about it in the moment. I was like, I could take this mm. right now. But I knew that I was going to be seen at that festival for many years to come. And I knew that every year someone was going to come up to me at some point and repeat that exact line. Yeah. And I was like, what do I even, how can I, what do I do? Like, how do I deal with this? It's just like the moment of like, oh, you've started something that's not going to stop. But aside from that, I don't risk take enough to have any better stories than, than that. You don't take risks because you fear the consequence or because you just you, you're aware that yeah, this could go really badly. Well well this is this is something that's really interesting that's come out in my life in the last couple of months is um I since I was a kid, since I was a young kid listening to Kyle Sanderlands on the radio, mm. I have become so consumed with my own PR. And I don't mean that in an ego way at all. I mean that in a, I want to control how I'm seen all the time so that I don't get embarrassed, so that I don't fall out of control. Yes. Like that's, that's become a really, really big thing for me over the last couple of years is is actually realizing that and realizing what that takes away from your life. Mm -hmm. Like not being in control is a good thing. Um, and so that's that's actually something that I'm really focusing on right now is is what have I lost 
by always needing to be in control, by always needing to be seen a certain way. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of, yeah, it, that's, that's it. That's why I don't often risk take is because, yeah, what, what, where could this end up where I won't be in control? What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Yeah, good question. I was afraid you'd ask that. I don't know. I think, I hope, I believe it's going to be something very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really grounded with a really solid group of friends. Um, just kind of all ages from, you know, young to people like yourself who are old. Um, and, and backgrounds and, and I know that I'm just going to, to grow with all them, grow in all my relationships and, and learn, learn a lot in all my relationships. Um, you know, I, I, I do believe that. Um, but I think, I think something else There's there's, there's, there's something I don't know. I have no idea what. But it'll be good. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm excited to, to do something something a little bit different, a little bit cool. We'll see what it is. Scotty, thank you for sharing what you have with mm. us today. It's, it's Thank you. You are valued and important and the things that you shared, I'm sure, um, will challenge some people and, and possibly even uh, cause some others to question some of the things that they're thinking about or, or doing in that regard. We know you're on Twitter, obviously. Yes. Uh, what other social accounts do you want to own up to? I've got I've got a couple of I've got a couple of good names. I'm really mm. happy with the names I've owned. So it's Scotty underscore McDonald, obviously on Twitter, is my least favourite <laughs> um, because it's got the underscore. I also had to settle for Scotty dot McDonald on Snapchat, mm. um, which is uh, like join me there. I love I love sharing stories there. Um, and Scotty McDonald eighty nine on Facebook. I, I'm really temperamental with who I friend on Facebook, but all my updates are public. Yep. So I'm not sure why I'm temperamental about who I friend uh, because it doesn't seem to change anything. Mm. Um, Instagram is Scotty McDonald. I, I love Instagram, by the way. Um, I know the whole world of business is saying it, but if you have a business right now, if you're listening to me and you have a business, get on Instagram. Like, like And when your business explodes because of Instagram, I have 20% of the cut. Thank you. Um, uh, they, they're my, they're my, they're my homes. That's where I live on social and, um, Periscope. Yeah. That's really accessible through Twitter. Yep. I don't know what I'm doing with Periscope yet. Just. I'm not sure anybody does yet. No. Do you know, do you know who's worth following? Sorry to derail again. Yeah. You know who's using it well is, um, is, is Brian Houston, the head of Hillsong mm-hmm. Church. I, I was at their, their big conference with Justin Bieber. Um, it, like, uh, literally, he and I went together. He, that's not true. But um, <laughs> he, I, I was at their big conference, Hillsong's big conference, and he walked on stage uh, periscoping and just started saying about how he saw it on the TV as the next big thing. So he just decided to periscope. And it became the joke of the week was, was Brian Houston on periscope. Mm. But I think almost in that regular stage adopter... Christian world, there were 20,000 church leaders at that conference. And I think to a degree, he probably introduced Periscope to the Australian Christian church. 
Uh, and I'm sure there's mm. plenty of pastors going, I was using it before him. <laughs> but but I think I think he actually did. Anyway, that's that's me done with social media. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Scotty underscore McDonald is indeed human. Yes.